Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on our show today, episode 156. My dear friend, colleague, and co-creator of the Full Voice Workbooks, Mim Adams, is talking about introductory improvisation exercises for young singers. She's got great ideas and great resources. And our good friend Karen Michaels from the Social Butterfly Group is talking about newsletters and how we can use them to enhance our marketing messages. Improvisation fun and best business practices right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello. Thank you and welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. My friend, I hope you are having a fabulous day. If you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it is mid-February and uh, we are we are in Nova Scotia, Hemford Forest, Nova Scotia. And I have to say, we've had, according to the local locals, uh, we... <laughs> We have had quite the winter. We've had three nor'easters, uh, and uh, we have had a lot of freezing rain and a lot of snow, but, but it's starting to melt. We're starting to see warmer weather, and we're starting to see the snow disappear, and I have to tell you, I'm excited to see the snow disappear, and I'm excited for warmer weather. So wherever you are, wherever you are tuning in, and I know I have a global audience. Uh, every once in a while, I look at the stats and I see people uh, logging in from all over the world. So if you are on one of those tropical islands, I say hello. And if you are on the other side of, I'm doing air quotes, the pond, I'm also saying hello and thank you. I know that there's a lot of great information out there and I am thrilled that you have taken time to listen to our show. Our goal is to provide fantastic information for voice teachers. And uh, today's show is going to be fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be talking to two of my favorite people. The first one, I owe this lady so much. She has been with me through this whole crazy journey. We started over 20 years ago. Mim and I met at a Long and McQuaid Music Education Center, and we were both waiting for a student to show up. And we just started talking about how challenging it was for, uh, for to work with a young singer. And um, uh, Mim was also teaching beginner piano, and she she we were commenting on how there was a lack of resources for young singers. And I said, "Well, I I created some uh, some worksheets for my students." And Mim was like, "Well, I also do that," and that's how we met. And that's how we got started with the Full Voice Workbooks. And ever since then, she has been um, often behind the scenes, but always by my side. And I am truly grateful. She is an unbelievably talented human being. She's an amazing singer, wonderful piano player, arranger, composer, and educator. And I'm thrilled that she's joining me today. Uh, and without further ado, my friends, here's my friend and colleague, Mim Adams. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend, my colleague, my partner in crime, Mim Adams. How are you? Hey, Nikki, I'm doing really well. How about yourself? I'm doing fabulous. And I just wanted to say congratulations, Mim. You are the first person to be recorded in the new recording studio. Whoa, that feels great. Uh, I, can, I feel like I can smell the fresh paint from here. <laughs> fresh paint and, and a beautiful forest all around us. So there you oh, go. Oh, that's so delightful. Nice. And, uh, well, I mean, as uh, I don't know if our listeners know, but like I'm still in Toronto, yeah. which, you know, I, I like it. But I mean, my view is indeed a brick wall of my neighbor's home. Mm. So there's, you know... I'm I'm going with this this fresh air this greenery. Oh, uh, okay. That you're talking well, about. and and also you will be heading out to is it Mexico or Costa Rica? Both. Oh, so <laughs> I know. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Mim is not only a talented 
uh, voice teacher and educator, but she also loves to surf. And uh, so uh, if if one thing good happened about teaching online, you can now go wherever you want to be and still work with your students. This is true. And it's like interesting thinking about my entire future now because I'm like, if I... Like, I got to surf, right? So <laughs> it's entirely possible my students are going to have to accept that large portions of their lessons will be online if they want to work with me because I got to surf. I love that. <laughs> I love that. You know, and I and I just want to shout out. I want to shout out to all the teachers who, you know, went through the pandemic. And of course, like, how did you feel at the beginning when everything went online? Like, were you like, hey, no problem? Or were you like, oh, my goodness, what is happening here? How did how did when for like March, 2020. Yeah, it was, I felt a bit like what is happening here, but I'm fortunate enough to have had enough sort of computers and web experience that I felt like I can figure this out and, you know, did manage to do so. Um, and, you know, I'm still figuring things out now. Like, I've only just started plugging my mic and my piano into an interface for my lessons with my kitties, where I've, they've been suffering through the regular old computer mic for now. And I'm like, I'm trying it now, two years later. So, you know, this is, I, I'm, I'm half dinosaur, but like, you know, a smart one. <laughs> Long enough arms to type the keys, not like those little T-Rexes with their tiny little hands. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a perfect analogy right there. But don't get me wrong. I still lean right into my camera when I'm talking to those kids. I'm, oh, a, gosh. I'm the lean forward talker. <laughs> I'm the, it's very uh, embarrassing. Oh man, I'm the one that like shouts because... <laughs> <laughs> Because well, I can feel how I having my mic plugged in makes me talk a bit more gently. I feel much more aware because of my years of training, like on stage, I know not to yell into my microphone. So hot tip for voice teachers out there. If you want to save your voice a little, put your microphone in there and just like talk gently into your mic. Use your radio voice. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Those, that's a good tip. And you know what? It's a... It's a smart reminder. Uh, you know, there's it never hurts to go over the basics. I want to uh, get started with our topic, and this is a this is a fun one. Um, we are talking about beginning improvisation activities, and this is something that we talk about a lot behind the scenes. We talk a lot about this when we are developing our resources, but you and I both have jazz backgrounds. So improvisation was such a huge part, but I have a, I have a personal question for you. Sure. So when you first went to jazz school <laughs> mm -hmm. and they were like, okay, and improvise and go. Were you like, ooh, this is awesome. Or were you like me and like all the color drained from your face and you thought you were going to die? Well, I think that I was in a middle place. So I think I was a special case in that I had some solid piano background and it was clear to me that at least for my needs, like improvisation was based on chord progressions and I had already fallen in love with chords and was learning about them on the piano and already listening to them just because of my own interests. So it didn't seem like a far stretch to put those things together. Now, my own like self-analysis is that I'm too technical one might say or intellectual about my improvisation instead of like going with gut feeling and just listening with my ears but over the years I've tried to blend the two things and whether my improvising is genius or not I am not afraid to do so so that's one of those wacky things about jazz is it's it really is like a type of music that also combines a lot of theoretical stuff so I I, that's probably why I was so drawn to it because I like that part of music so much. So I can't say I was that afraid of it. Doesn't mean I didn't feel like I was crappy at it a lot, <laughs> but I wasn't afraid. Okay, so. that that is very helpful. That is very helpful. And I think uh, for teachers out there who um, uh, are new 
to improvisation, um, but are encouraging uh, their students or want to really get into that creativity and self-expression, I think we have some helpful tips for them and and some strategies. Um, But I want to, let's start off by saying the exercises that you're going to share, they are for beginners. This is beginner improvisation. This is not for an advanced student. This is for like littles, right? We could do this. Exactly. Okay. All right. So where do you usually start when you're working with a young singer and you want to incorporate, kind of give them, hand over the reins and give them some, some play and and let them kind of take charge? Okay. Well, here's one that is not obvious, but it's funny to see the reaction of students when you ask them to do it. One is just, can you pick a starting note for your warm-up, for your exercise, or pick which note is going to be do? You should see these kids, the color drains, and they're like, what? Can't you just give me a note? Okay. Nope. (laughs) I've done that. I've done that to adults and found the same thing. A lot of my adults Mm -hmm. are like, oh, this is no good. I really need you to tell me where I should start. Mm-hmm. So what do so you do? So right there is the beginnings of improv. Just having the courage to hum a pitch and see what happens. Most of the time it's fine. Like maybe really littles will be adorable. And I'll say like, pick your starting note. And they'll be like, ah! like, oh goodness. <laughs> All right, have fun. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rare though for an older student to ever choose a high note. <laughs> right. That's funny. Okay. So now, do you do that a lot with your students? Do you just ask them to start the exercise or find their their comfort zone? I do. And in fact, one of my students that I've been working with for a couple of years, I was so proud of her because yesterday, just yesterday, I said, please pick your starting note. And she gave me the look but then she just picked a starting note. I was like, yeah, we didn't have to go through the whole minute of discussion about like how she can totally do this. <laughs> and she just rocked it. So it was, I'm like, she's starting to understand that it is normal to pick a starting note. I love that. I love that. That must've made you feel really good. Oh, it really did. And like, I love, love, love doing it with the younger kids because mm-hmm. it normalizes it for them as well. Ooh, normalizing. Yes. Yes. I I think that's one of the things that um, I find when I get my older adults who've had a lifetime of singing, how insecure they are at, at just singing unaccompanied or, or taking charge. And these people have had a lifetime of singing. And now we're, we're trying to uh, inspire and um, uh, encourage a younger student. Like what, that's a great starting spot for them. Absolutely. And it's so simple and it's so easy for a teacher to put into their lessons right away. So if we kind of carry on from there, like what are the next things that we do? So it's kind of up to a teacher if they want to say, now we shall improvise, which might be a little scary. You might want to sneak it in. Um, I find a fun way to sneak it in kind of crosses over with maybe like a pop style, which is melismas, right? And so asking a student to like try to sing ooh, but like change it a little bit. You know, if they have an ooh in their song or or you're just doing an exercise, you're singing vowels and you're like, okay, well, when you sing your ooh vowel, can you try changing it a bit like this? And, you know, you sing something for them and then maybe they'll copy you and you say, can you change it some way else? And just sort of, yeah, just playing around with it in a way that hopefully isn't presented as intimidating. So, yeah, that's that's a good start. I like that. I like that. Now, when you... When you ask them to change it, will you give them like ideas? Will you you say, well, you could do A or you could do B? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they'll always, almost all the time, want an example. So I would, I mean, it depends on the kid and how humorous I'm feeling. If I go, <laughs> ooh, 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 or, <laughs> ooh, 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 right? 
so you, you know your students. So what right. are they going to handle? And you can just sort of give them little clues, you know, go up a little bit. What happens if you go to your low voice? Yeah, I like that idea of just going up one note and coming back down, right? Just giving them that a small mm-hmm. interview, to, in, uh, interview interval to start with and then they can yeah. go from there. I like that. I like that. Now, um, I guess this kind of ties in with like ear training activities as well, right? Because we're really listening. Do you do this exercise with like the piano accompaniment? Are you like playing like chords for them? Well, I would consider that almost like a third step. It, it okay. depends on how I'm going about it. So if I was if I was truly just doing it to get them to be courageous enough to make any sounds, I might take away the piano because that's when they're more likely to sing a, and I'm doing air quotes, wrong note. So they might sing a note that doesn't sound good with the sounds around them. So if it's just a cappella, there is no wrong note. They cannot hit a wrong note. And so if you're building confidence, a cappella is a great start. But if you feel like their ears are ready to think about right notes and wrong notes, then yes. So um, as a person who does play piano, like I would start with either just sort of one chord, playing it for a long time and ask them to sing one or two notes through that. But, you know, I could also do two separate chords, like a one chord to a four chord or like a C to an F chord. You know, just a really simple sound that they can have the opportunity to sing one or two or three notes over. And if they get really bold, many notes. Hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Um Now, one of the things that I've done with my students is I've always explained to them, you know, when you hear an artist at the end of the song and they're kind of, you know, riffing and stuff and they're doing their thing. One, I tell the students that the artist was in the recording studio and they probably sang a hundred different like riffs and then the producer took the best ones and that's always surprising to some of my singers they they just think that you know these these artists just drop beautiful sounds i said and i and i always joke with them i'm like i bet they sang a couple of wrong notes i bet there was a few of their ideas that didn't make it to the album mm-hmm. um, well and that's a great explanation for extra choruses at the end of a song when a song just goes on and on repeating. You're like, why is this repeating over and over? Oh, it's so the lead vocal can improvise. (laughs) Woo! Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, Now, what do you do... Um, what do you do when you start to see your students getting a little more confident? They're willing to try a few notes. What's your next steps to get them into more activities? Well, from there... um, there's different directions. One is attempting to improvise within a bit of a framework. So I'm a believer in um, singing inside the box, improvising inside the box, and always beginning inside the box. So a very small box is very helpful. So I might say, you're going to sing your song, say eight bars, And then we're going to improvise for four bars. So figuring out how to count four bars while improvising something is really hard. So it can be so simple. It can be just improvising one note that takes up the time of those four bars, right? So it's just adding some extra elements. So, or I would say improvise for as long as you want. You can take out time frame because that can be very confusing and say improvising using these two notes or the sound of a triad or go up and down your scale as many times as you can before we get to the end of this bit of time. So yeah, there's just adding a little, some kind of a little extra element that you way. You know, um, that... I just wanted yeah. to. I just wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to mention Donna Rodenizer, One of her songs, the Sola Lama Fun, is an improvisation study. And one of the things that I love about it is that when you're starting, there's like a simple melody that you learn, and then there's four bars where the student can improvise using only two notes, so and la. 
and the melody before it, it gets them singing up to the law, so they've heard the sound. And then, um, have you have you tried that with any? I've used it with one student. Okay, how did it yes. go? How did it go for you? Well, it, with that one student, it didn't quite work out as a as a total success. But I can see lots of reasons why this little youngster um, would only repeat after me. So Which is a great it was, starting it was quite point. funny. Like he could only echo me. That's it. Mm, okay. okay. And that's okay. That's where he is right now. You know, I, I just want to add to that. That was my experience with a lot of my youngsters doing that same, um, that same exercise. And, but. I've reintroduced it to a couple of them and it's starting, they're starting to break free. They're starting to become brave. And I think, I think the fear for a lot of students is just, they, they want that guarantee that it's going to be correct. Right. Um, but even like, even with shorter, with smaller parameters, like you're only singing two notes, you know, that can still be intimidating. And, and I, 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 I appreciate that you were honest in saying that, you know, the student just wanted to, to do like, like copy you, but like I did the same thing. I went through the same thing. And now that I'm reintroducing it, it is getting a little easier. And I, my one student said to me when she was signing off of her Zoom lesson, she's like, next week, I'm totally going to try some more things. And I was like, <gasps> wonderful. Really? I'm like, okay, you good. Yeah, I said it, it takes some time. And uh, yeah. yeah, so so I think, I think I would remind people to be very patient. This is not an easy thing to do for the vocalist. Exactly. Well, and as I said, I mean, Sola Lama Fun, is a great little tune, but it's not only improvise these two notes. It's also improvise these two notes within this time frame, and just that element of time is so complicated. So it makes things so difficult. In hindsight, for myself working with my student, um, I jumped into the tune because I was like, "Oh, he's going to really like this song," and he did. But he was he wasn't ready for this concept of improvising with all of that stuff in it. I know he would love an exercise where I sang, say, sing do re mi fa so, and then sing any note. Like he would love it. He'd be all over that, and it'd be the funnest thing in the world. I'm gonna try that next lesson. Okay, <laughs> just to get some laughs. But um, but he's not ready to to have those limits placed mm -hmm. on his improvisation yet. I, so that's a really good point that you bring up. We forget as experts who have been on this planet a long time. And I would like to say that most musicians have like four lifetimes of, of experiences and passion and practice. And we forget curse of knowledge. We forget that the concept, and I'm glad you brought it up of counting four bars and knowing that that's where that time frame is, that does not come naturally to anyone. Nope. It's hard. It is hard. This is why we are amazing musicians. <laughs> We can do it. <laughs> we have suffered and suffered and suffered. Um, I Now, let's take a look. So with our little ones, we have to go very, very slowly and go through very basic things. But what about, like, what about our teenagers, our younger-ish students that are starting to get into, like, pop? And they are wanting to do more melismatic stuff. And they do have a better understanding of like four bars, eight bars. How would you approach like the, I would say the intermediate singer? Um, well, a pop starting point is a really great one because a common pop melisma is a vowel sound on multiple pitches with some kind of rhythm variation. So that works perfectly. I would do kind of exactly what I already said about starting with some kind of a simple chord progression and asking them to do some vowel improvisation. So and you kind of, again, have to start with a parameter. Start with the sound of the five note scale, up and down that scale. Okay, now try just going down a few times, but change the rhythm. Okay, go up up and then down, you know, and just play around with that. And then you, 
yeah, say I've got a pattern here that that I'm playing. It's like a four bar pattern. So every time the pattern restarts, clap your hand. You know, something oh, like that. Neat. Or okay, take change your vowel every time the pattern restarts, or do something right. to indicate the pattern has restarted. So these are the things you want them to notice. You're building the confidence to make sound, the ability to move around within a time frame and recognize where you are in that time frame. So you might even do some stuff first where you're not, av- they're not singing. They're just listening and indicating the change. You're like, oh, I hear the chord change right here. Oh, that's a good exercise. That's a really good exercise. That, that takes you back to active listening, right? Yeah. Nice. That's really well, I mean, helpful. That's, I mean, we haven't even said it until now. If you're going to improvise with actual music, you must listen. Mm. You can't just plug your ears and go for it. Yeah, no, active listening is kind of also like identifying very specific things that are happening in the music, right? So, I mean, our students are always listening, whether they're not, they're focused on one actual element. Like, like even, even um, I was doing this the other day, I was doing beat and rhythm, right? So just having them listen to a song and focus on where is that beat and then listening again and tapping the rhythm of the melody, that right there are two very specific things. And again, sometimes without, without being coached, that isn't, that awareness isn't there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we have to kind of know that about our students, like where they might be stronger or a little weaker. And this is, you know, you can start into it. You discover, oh, gosh, you can't count. So then, of course, your lessons veer off into counting for a couple of weeks. And then you come back to your like, let us improvise, you know. So the teacher has to know where to like be a stick in the mud and where to be flexible and guide the student to where they need to go. Right. So, I mean, I'm always telling my students, it's my job to hear your weaknesses and we work on them together, right? That's that's what I'm here for. I mean, there's also the POV that I'm like, let's take your strengths and build them. But, uh, you know, there's so many ways. <laughs> I, I want to talk about um, the like students that are getting started in jazz. And I want to bring... Uh, I want to bring your study because I actually was looking at it the other day. On our website, we have the Sing and Swing study. And one of Mim's superpowers is to write these really fun, jazzy, simple, fun little melodies. And if for anybody who, for anybody who enjoyed gingerbread man that was that was mim she took my lyrics and she made it cool um so let's take let's take sing and swing so for our listeners um i'm going to put a link in the show notes to sing and swing it's a free download it comes with a band track that study looks at both exploring scat syllables and the swing feel so how would you get started with a student who's like new to to jazz and just getting started with like scat syllables? Um, I would absolutely start with one or two syllables, just like is in that song. So just getting a student comfortable with duba, like that's kind of my preferred favorite. Uh, I think it's a great starting point. Just going duba, 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 duba for a little while and getting okay. That is a lot of physical activity for a student's face to make those sounds. So it might be hard for them to do it quickly. So you got to keep it nice and slow. You start with the two. And if duba is just too confusing and it's taking way too long for that student to deal with it, because you know how it'll erupt into giggles and like, oh, you know, and then no actual singing gets done. So then drop it to just do, 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 do. Like it really doesn't matter what syllables you begin with, but a combination of two is a strong start if your student can handle it. So part one is allowing time for the students to become comfortable with a set of syllables. And then part two, the swing feel. I mean, that's rhythm study. You can clap it, you can listen to it, you can sing it. You know, you have to kind of do that. Um, And then, yeah, you just go into that nice little melody for the tune and it's repetitive on purpose. So it's easy to catch on to. And then you put those pieces together and have a little tune. 
I like that. I like that. So I have a question. What if, what if you are a teacher um, who isn't really a piano player, maybe, maybe like just jamming out some chords and some grooves is not your thing. Uh-huh. What, what would you recommend? <laughs> Mim's so, laughing. Mim's laughing. Cause that's me. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and that's totally legit. Right. Um, so I did think about that a little and I have a few suggestions. So one thing that I've used a lot, I don't, I haven't necessarily connected it with improvising for my littles, but I do use it a lot for older students who are studying their tuning, and that's a drone or one chord backing track. So it's it's uh, you can find these on YouTube galore. So if you just type into a YouTube search drone for music practice, um, a whole bunch of different things like five, 10 minutes of C sharp is going to play. They're all over the place. My favorite one to use these days is a cello drone. It's it's quite lovely. It's got a picture of a cello, you know, and it sounds really lovely. Um, then there's like the one chord backing track. A lot of guitar players seem to be putting out like this kind of backing track. Really? I couldn't find anything that was piano based, but okay. lots of really beautiful guitar stuff. And uh, yeah, you just get like this nice strumming pattern and it's just oh. that one chord. And sometimes they have like little drums and then it's like, it seems like they're going to build to a change, but then it's the same chord. <laughs> it's just great. But <laughs> it's what like a great five tool. minutes of one chord. Oh, neat. I didn't know about these. That's a cool, that would be a, that would be a neat warm up. It would, absolutely. And you could go so many directions with these things. So in my opinion, the drone one, like that one has a really cool, like mystic kind of vibe to it. You know, you sing through your scale and tune it up with that drone and it just sounds really cool. Um, But then when you get the one chord, it kind of, I can see so many students breaking into like little songs they're making up on the spot because the groove is so nice, right? That's excellent. Okay. um, Now you have, do you have, you have some recommended YouTube ones. I could probably, I'll put them in the show notes if people want to just yeah. check those out. Yeah. I actually have uh, here, I've got the cello drone um, and a really nice like one chord vamp uh, video that I found. Um, oh, and oh, I did find a piano one checking my notes and it's, you'll love this name. It's called <clears throat> Sad Emotional Piano Backing Tracks. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So like if you're having one of those melancholy days and your students are just yeah. in that mood, how perfect for your teenagers, right? You can just I like know. <laughs> Well, so this one um like this one that I found isn't really one chord, but they are simple progression sounds, so it's simple enough to sing over. Um it would be, yeah, uh, a creative teacher will be able to figure out how to use a triad or a scale or just a held note that works really well with, with these I, tracks. I like what you said. I just want to, like, I have a lot of uh, students, um, past and present, who are interested in songwriting. And they often ask me, well, how do you come up with melodies? Like, how do you do that? And I this would be a great little tool because then they wouldn't have to focus on, like, playing chords or or anything they could just start to come up with melodies and because they go on for so long you know you you can just kind of keep trying different things oh I like this yeah yeah so excited to hear if people enjoy these or not Um, that's yeah so that's my my advice for those who are not confident piano players Oh, thank you for that. I do appreciate those types of, uh, of resources. <laughs> now, um, for, let's say for teachers who, who, uh, maybe improvisation wasn't part of their, their training or they haven't really explored it. So this is for the teachers. What would be some of your recommendations for them to dive into this so that they can be inspiring for their students? What would you suggest? Huh? Well, I would probably say do the YouTube video test for yourself. Put that video on, you know, use that cello drone and sing your scales up and down and just see what it inspires you to do. Hopefully, it inspires you to 
maybe try different notes of your scale, maybe get chromatic and go back and forth or do different rhythms, change your rhythms up as you're singing, you know, hopefully that's what happens. Um, And same thing, you put on those sad emotional piano tracks and you kind of like giggle sing your way through some imaginary songs, like just try it, try it yourself. Um, Another great idea is like, I mean, if I'm going just a, a big jump from jazz world to say classical world, I mean, improvisation is there. It's just talked about in a different way with specific labels like ornaments, right? You know, so what happens when you apply those in these formats? Just experiment with what you already know how to do and imagine yourself as your student. What is actually going to help your student do that. I mean, the main thing it takes is confidence. Right notes and wrong notes, that's that's like after the confidence. So teachers are going to probably sing right notes most of the time. And if they're singing wrong notes, that's okay. Just do, go slower. Yeah. Right? And don't, don't do it really fast for your kids. <laughs> I... I want to thank you for all of these strategies. And again, um, I love that, you know, teachers are looking for creative ways to inspire students to find their own voices, uh, write their own songs, um, and and to to just give them the permission to, you know, put themselves out there like that. That is, that is huge. I know that... Um, I know that one of my, one of my challenges as, as a performer, as an artist being classically trained. And again, I am grateful and thankful for my amazing teachers, but it was always right or wrong. There was, I was never given the permission to change anything. Now I developed wonderful ears and a really good tuning and all of those things. But when, when I went into formal commercial jazz study, I was really uncomfortable and it took me, I would say probably three years of like a lot of pain and suffering. And I have to shout out to my teacher, David Stilwell, Dave Stilwell. Dave understood that singers and improvisation was not the same as instrumentalists and improvisation. And he actually, he actually fought and created a first year improv class for singers. And he was my introduction to play-based learning. He talked about different ways of exploring. And he, I, I don't think, I, I, I honestly don't think I would have lasted in jazz school without that permission to play, you know, different ways to be creative. And I, I, that is one of the things that I have always remembered, especially with my young singers, is I want to give them the courage when they're little so that they don't have to go through the pain and suffering I did when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> oh, so, so true. So true. I think like that is entirely my motivation for everything full voice is like, let's get them while they're young so that that gap has been bridged. And now they just grow into these like confident uh, voice musicians. This is amazing. That's why, Nikki, that's why. <laughs> that's that's one of our whys. One of many whys. You know, I have to say I have several students that have graduated and they're now young adults doing amazing things. Many of them are talented songwriters writing beautiful music. And, and I, I, you know, one of them, they, they put out this video and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And then I've got a lot of them that went into music therapy. But what was interesting is in for the music therapy programs here in Canada, you have to go through a classical program. But all of them now have become incredible instrumentalists like guitar or ukulele, right? And they're all very much like improvisation and stuff. Like they, they had to embrace a lot of different styles of music, you know, in their, in their career as a music therapist. So I'm, I'm in awe of all the amazing things that my students have done. And, you know, you have that proud teacher moment. You're like, I hope they remember me. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? I know exactly what you mean. Oh, wow. I, it's just so great thinking about the things that my little students have have done, which, yeah, is wonderful. And that they show me in every lesson. Like, yeah, really delightful. Um, before we wrap up, I think it might be fun to just sort of have a quick recap. I put some do's and don'ts together that oh, are kind of, you know, it. quick, clear points. Do you want to hear them? I do. I do I'm get glad it. you said you do because I'd feel bad if you're like no thanks bye <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you all right so I'm gonna start with my don'ts so these are uh the little reminders like don't do these things so one don't immediately start using scat syllables that's oh. a recipe for failure good uh also good <laughs> don't immediately associate improv with the song start with exercises and warm-ups that involve improvisation. So again, this is being too much like stay, like it needs to be in a little box when it's presented. So keep it, keep those boxes teeny tiny. Um, Songs are big boxes. Um, And also uh, don't get overwhelmed by complicated jazz scales when you do YouTube searches for, uh, for your tracks, because none of that matters for a beginner. Nobody cares. <laughs> Just listen, man. That's what <laughs> I, I love it. Just listen, man. <laughs> I love so, it. So, okay. The do's are to remember to give very clear small steps. So my examples would be something like sing the phrase, but sing a note that is higher on the last word. Or like make up a melody with only do and re. Something very simple like that. A lot of fun, lots of laughs, um, lots of random other notes. It's great. Um, And then finally, uh, little call and response games, um, like echo me, but change a thing. And that change can be change a vowel, change a length of a note, change a pitch. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, very simple. Nice. Mim, thank you so much. These are such great, uh, great ideas. And uh, I just love all the creative things you're doing with your students. As always, you're part of the Full Voice team. So I will have you back. And uh, I'm sure we've got lots of other fun things. And um, friends, I, I need you to know that without Mim, nothing in our company would ever make it to anyone anywhere. Mim is <laughs> Mim is that that person that keeps the team on track, and she's always supportive and and just so wonderful to work with. And honestly, oh, there's, thank you. There's days where I'm like, I do not know why she puts up with me. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah. No, everything is great. I love working on the full voice team. I could go into a big speech about like life choices and other employment and all this, but um, the the result is full voice is really cool. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Mim, thank you so much. We will have you back and uh, I'm wishing you a fantastic day. Thanks. You too. Bye. A business newsletter is very much part of our marketing efforts. And my good friend Karen Michaels is sharing some tips and strategies and best practices for your newsletter. Welcome back to the podcast, my wonderful friend and colleague, Karen Michaels. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to be on season six. I mean, season six. Come I on. Know. That's, That's like crazy, crazy pants. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I, uh, I, I actually listened to one of my first podcasts and I was like, what was I thinking? It's so horrible. We certainly have come a long, long <laughs> way. And one of the things I'm most thankful for is that in the beginning, it was just me rammering on, but now I have all these wonderful friends who have superpowers that share their awesomeness. So I don't have to, I don't have to rammer on. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so funny. I'm pretty sure it was not horrible. And, um, and I'm, doubly sure that we're all excited to be here to talk to you. That's for sure. Well, and I want listeners to know that Karen is literally on the other side of the continent. So <laughs> she is, she couldn't be further, you know, out, out uh, west. And I, with the exception of Newfoundland, which is yet a half hour <laughs> further east, 
in time zone world. I am I am Atlantic time. You are Pacific time. So, so although I'm I'm feeling groggy and it's like nine in the nine thirty in the morning. What time is it there? It's five fifty two. Oh my gosh, Karen! <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Listen, I didn't even know that ADT when you wrote that in the time zone. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's ADT? So I know. <laughs> I've never heard of it. I know. And you know, with the teacher training or whenever we do like, uh, like our live workshops, I don't put ADT. I will actually time zone it for Eastern time because nobody knows what ADT is. And it's, I mean, time zones are confusing as it is. And I have screwed up time zones so many times. And, and even with my team, we have like a rule that whenever a time is set, when somebody's time comes out of their mouth, it means Eastern time and Nikki and Sean have to figure it out for themselves. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to give you a, a quickie bonus. I have the greatest little app called time, time buddy. It is for iPhone only time buddy. And it had, so I put Nova Scotia right? For, for you. And then I have myself, I have my UK clients. I have my East coast clients. I have my West coast clients. And then there is somebody that I, let's see, I think France is the same. Cause I talked to somebody in France, um, just as a friend, but it is the greatest little app and it lines it up so you can look at everything. So I did that plus Google earth. And I was like, okay, I know exactly what time to meet Nikki. <laughs> amazing. Okay. That's a great teacher takeaway because, you know, now with so many teachers moving to hybrid models, and I know a lot of teachers now that have clients that are not in their time zone. And this is a thing now, like it it really is a thing. So that is a great teacher tip. But, um, I'm, I'm so, I always love talking to you because you, you, not only are you a fabulous, uh, voice teacher, piano teacher, performer, but you really have a passion for social media. And today we are talking about newsletters. Oh, this is so newsletters are so exciting to me. I just wrapped it. sounds like all I do is take class and PS it's kind of true. Um, I just wrapped up this fantastic, um, newsletter course, um, with a, with a fantastic woman who I think she's going to run it again. So I'll, I'll make sure I get you, um, that information, um, just because she's, she's just a cool lady and a cool chick. Um, and we really delved into newsletters and their creation. So I feel like not only have I been working on my own and honing that a little bit, I have some really great tips for everybody because the first thing I, I think I want to say about newsletters is that everyone should have one, you know, and, and listen, I, I wrote on here, you can have that. You can have your newsletter go out once a quarter, once a month, once a week, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter because I don't want people to be like, Oh no, Karen's saying we have to do something else. Stop it. (laughs) And, and it's just that it's such a great way to communicate number one. And I just want to remind everyone as much as I, and you know, I do, I love my Instagram. I love my Twitter and my Facebook and, and all the platforms, you know, TikTok, all these fun platforms They're brilliant and amazing and they have so many cool things. But the fact of the matter is we do not own our audience. Mm, That's such a good reminder. We don't own that audience. It's not ours. We are borrowing them. They are graciously allowing as I like to try to think of it as much as they occasionally frustrate me as well. Um, But they are graciously allowing a space in the room. Um, And so if something goes wrong, if they have a glitch, if you have a glitch, if the bots decide that you wrote something crazy or, I mean, there's so, I I, I mean, I have story after story after story of people's accounts getting shut down for a short time, for 30 days and all this craziness. And so if you don't have a way of communicating with your clients, you are going to be in trouble. And so I hate to say should, but I'm going to in this case, because we want to, we want to have access to the people who want us. Obviously, most of the people on our socials are there because they already like us and know us, right? 
I'm really glad you brought that up. And I wanted to say um, that happened to my sister last year. She was launching her, my sister works in um, uh, dog training and dog mindfulness for dog owners. And she was about, she had just started promoting uh, her course, started to get a lot of traction, started to get sales. And then something weird happened. Remember with the Apple and the, uh, the, the OS and then, and then Facebook said that she wasn't the authentic owner of her, of her page and they shut it down. It was, it took over six months for her to get things back up and running. And not only was it frustrating, but it was so demoralizing for her. She had worked so hard. She was, and, and of course income, right? Like she was uh, uh, right, the that. bottom line income. And my sister, uh, was working with her business coach, online coach and stuff. And that was really the focus that they started to really work on was, you know, you need to have your own people. You're going to work through your newsletter until this is, you know, until this is straightened up. But it was her newsletter that she fell back on. And, and now she's flipped her priorities. So now it's like her is building the newsletter, getting those subscribers, you know, you know, sharing great strategies with her, her, um, her clientele, the people that really want to hear from her. And so, so when Karen says you want to have your own newsletter list, like, please, it it happens. And, and, uh, it's, we don't own those platforms. We don't. And it, and it, and, and listen, my thought is that it's going to happen more because, you know, it, as the world grows and as the as the online world grows in such a different way, we never could have predicted the craziness of 2020. And and people now in a, in a strange way, it, it really um, sped up the technology sector. Right. And so I think that people now have a different online comfort, which is which is both good and interesting. And so um, it's just really important to to notice that the online platforms, uh, they're in a flux. They're competing with each other. I mean, you, I know we're going to talk about Instagram and other things, but we know that that had that big announcement about we are not just a photo sharing platform. I mean, that's that's all they were and now they're they're essentially changing almost their whole model and we have no control over that because it's not our platform and so what we do have control over is our platforms ourselves and gathering those emails of people who already love us, know us, and trust us, the KLT system, right? My thought is, and what I've been doing now, my personal self is, I'm, I have a, a little system because my, I don't even have my new website up at all. So I'm functioning kind of without a website right now. And the funny thing is, like, it's not really affecting my business at all because I'm using my socials for sure, but I'm really using my newsletters to keep the connection going. And, and so let's go through a little bit of like, exactly what does this mean? So um, I would say that we want to pick a service to use to distribute and create your branding. So when I say use a service, that would be something like MailChimp, um, that would be constant contact. I mean, there are so many. But what I'm really talking about more is connections. And and I believe, um, and what, um, what I really learned this summer from the other people in my group is that we should technically, I just said shit again. I'm really going to try not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> my recommendation is, my thought is that we want to always be selling. And now, that is a word I am not going to step away from because I think, you know, as as creatives, as teachers, we're very sensitive to that word and we don't want to be gross and selling things and talking about money and it feels gross. But you know what? It's not gross to share the brilliant thing that you are doing and the brilliant studio that you have worked hard to create and the brilliant ideas that you have for your voice students and your and your uh, clients. I mean, I want you to feel good about selling. And you know what's funny is, I'm going to call her out on this, is Liz Jackson Hearns of The Voice Lab. She is so good about talking about selling because 
and she's really inspired me to think about it in a fresh and happy way because it is okay to sell your things. And not only is it okay, I highly recommend it (laughs) because that's how we make our living, people. It is just a way of communicating, right? I mean, let's face it, friends. This is not our, you know, as I like to say, this is not our grandmother's marketing tactics. This is not a used car salesman, if you will, pushing something that maybe somebody doesn't want or need. This is not like that. You're sharing your beautiful talents. You're sharing your wonderful ideas for teaching young singers, and for teaching, you know, emerging professionals, we're, we're sharing all these ideas. And if nobody knows about you, it's, it's my belief that, you know, I mean, we can get kind of crazy and woo woo here, but the, the universe or God or wh- whoever it is that you think about shared the beautiful gift of music with you. And it's our, almost our duty to share that out with the world so that we can help others. Right. And so what I love about the newsletter is that now you can, there's no word, there's no word limit, you know, there's no character count here, friends. There's no, um, you can't use that kind of picture because we're not going to approve it. There's none of that silliness. There's no flagging, right? We're not going to get our content banned because we decided to use a word or a phrase that that could be controversial because maybe maybe what you're talking about deep down is really important and we all need to know about it. So I really believe that going back to this the back to basics, it's almost like a grassroots kind of thing is how I'm thinking about it is that we want to share what it is we're doing in these newsletters. And like I said, in the beginning, I don't care if you do it once a quarter, once a month. Yes, once a week is a good once a week, once every other week. Those are good time. Those are good numbers to kind of go by. But if that feels overwhelming, I think start with once a month. That would be my comment. And that's how I started. And now, you know, now I'm, I'm doing um, three times a month. And that feels doable to me as a business owner and as a mom and a voice teacher and all those things. And it feels comfortable for my, clearly for my readers as I have a very nice um, open rate. So that's one thing I want to comment on is that if you're using any kind of email service, you want to take note of your open rate and see if your message is resonating and, and then take note as you make more newsletters. What are people most interested in? And what are maybe people least interested in? And then, I mean, that's just basic data, right? And then keep talking about the things that they're most interested in. Now, one thing I want to talk about today is this really great idea of whatever it is you're writing about in your newsletter. My thought, sometimes people just have time to skim an email, right? They just, so if, as long as you have it set up in nice little sections and then what you can do is you can say, you can begin your, the topic, and then you can say, um, I, th- I have so much more to say about this. Read the rest on the blog. And now we are directing people to our websites. <sighs> and we're basically putting this newsletter content as a blog post on our website. Now we've only gone and created one piece of content and we're using it, we're actually going to use it in three places because you have your newsletter and then we're going to drive people to the website where they can read it there. And then you can make a quickie graphic or a a nice animated graphic and put that on your social media. And so you've created one thing and used it in three places. You have driven traffic to your site, which means you're adding fresh content and the SEO and now the Google Mm-hmm. The ever-present Google will love you. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I love what you said there. Like you, you don't have to like. You know, it's not a War and Peace novel. Like a, a good newsletter. Some of my favorite newsletters are just short and sweet with like a couple of topics maybe that they link to. So if I'm interested in learning more, I could click it. Exactly. Oh, and I am myself guilty of that so much because, and I get it friends. I mean, I sent a newsletter out probably um, three or four weeks ago about SEO specifically. And 
I mean, and I said it now, this is what I did. I said, this is a very long newsletter. I recommend that you do one task at a time that you save the newsletter and go back and reread it. I did help set it up, but it was, it was really long and arduous. Um, but I have to say the good news is it had a good open rate because I was upfront about that for one thing. And I knew that it was a topic. Um, obviously SEO is the, the ever present topic we're all thinking about as, as website owners and business owners. The other, uh, the other newsletter that I do enjoy and I always open is Shannon Coates. Cause she has, cause she is the pedagogy roundup email. And I mean, I love Shannon. She's everything pedagogy and learning to be an amazing teacher, but she collects all these amazing links and I, I will scan her, her newsletter and I will go, Ooh, I I'd like to learn more about that. Or, Ooh, that sounds nice. Or yeah, I'm not interested in that today. And it's just, it's just really helpful. And, and I've actually saved some of her newsletters because I know that there's stuff there that I probably should, I might go back to, to look. So I think, so shout out to Shannon Coates, um, uh, vocal instrument 101 she does a great newsletter and i and i she really does. i really and appreciate her socials are so good oh my goodness yeah. voice ped is her socials but yes you're right and that's a great that's a great um format for one of your newsletters is the roundup like you can do a roundup of your own the last three here friends the last three emails that i sent are about this here is the and then you could you know if you have a service then they no doubt have an rss feed like mailchimp for sure because that's since i know that really well since i'm using that currently myself they have an rss feed so i just link it to my previous ones and that way if anybody is new they could go back and reread you know, previous ones. For, for people that don't know, what's an RRS feed? An RS, an, the RSS feed is what the, it's basically like on the internets, on the interwebs, and it is a feed of all of one specific topic or one specific link that leads to many other links. And so it's, and they're a little complicated to set up yourself. So I wouldn't recommend that I've done it. So it's obviously not brain surgery, but, um, if you have a service that sets it up for you, that's really helpful because then all you're doing is you're grabbing that one, one URL, and then it links to all the other posts. So yeah, that's, I love those. And I, I and I'm just thinking of my listeners who are are not necessarily selling anything other than the services in their voice studio. And I know this can seem like rather complex, but I think a, a newsletter for a teacher could be a wonderful place to celebrate students in your studio. You could use a newsletter, and I again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too aggressive with the newsletter because again, I find families are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're already overwhelmed, but uh, you know, like a regular, maybe once a month newsletter, like this is what's happening in the voice studio and shout outs to your students or, you know, upcoming reminders. I, I wouldn't rely solely on my studio newsletter to keep people in the loop, but it, it could be one of the tools. And I've seen this on the socials where teachers will go, uh, you know, hey, studio family, check your email, right? Because they've sent out, which is another, again, you know, you got to get people, you've got to get their attention somehow. And getting people's attention is more challenging than ever. There are creative positive ways that you can do that. So absolutely. And remember there's, you can, you can create voice memo newsletters. I mean, there's so many things that you can do and remember that. Um, and I would even say that it's potentially, I don't want to get crazy again, but potentially you could have two newsletters. And one is for people who are not yet in your studio and you're actually selling to them. And then your studio newsletter is the once a month here. Remember to come to your lessons like this. The upcoming recital is here. Top songs in the studio this month are this. Um, A student just got it. Yeah. That's one of the things that I send out to my people. And then then it, it's very cute. Oh, I'll send out. So I play this game with my students called In Tune, and it's a it's a pitch game. Yes. And so the students all, 
they all, one of my favorite things is they'll come in, Miss Karen, what was the top score last week? <laughs> and so, so and so I screenshot top scores and I'll send that out in my newsletter to, oh, how fun. to families and that. just say, yay, mm. look at this. So you're right. It's just to celebrate. But when we're selling something that could be a different, you know, when you're trying to gather, um, gather your people. So, and, and you're trying to get yourself out there and meet new people and sell those beautiful classes that you mentioned earlier that you're making up. I want to go over um, Nikki, what I think is the, the best way to do this. And you want to make it very easy for people to sign up, right? So I, on my, like, for example, on my, um, Instagram account and then on my other accounts as well, I have, um, I use flow page. I know you have a beautiful setup on that, that we created in Canva, um, where it has different links. So whatever link service that you use in your bios, put in there a newsletter sign up link make it very easy for someone to click that link and i want to say make it very easy whenever you're selling a class or um, a workshop or whatever make it easy for people to purchase one click they give their credit card and they're done they don't want to take a lot of steps to do this that I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's one of the things that uh, all of us have to learn and it takes a while and it's something, it's a never ending thing. I, I mean, we were recently look, going over our website and looking at how we can simplify it and where is the newsletter? Like where can they click on the newsletter and how can we make that really visible? And, and it's a never ending thing. So for teachers out there that are feeling a little overwhelmed, this is this is something that you just keep working on and improving and you get some feedback and you keep improving. It's not a, I'm going to set this up and then it's going to be done forever kind of thing. That's just not, just don't go there with your brain. Um, the, <laughs> right. We're always honing and working on these things. Um, Karen, I, I know that uh, newsletters are a big, big topic. So I'm going to have you come back and we'll talk more about them later on in the year, maybe a follow-up little segment, you know, for those that have been doing it. Um, but thank you for sharing all this amazing information. Where can listeners uh, find and follow you? So on the socials, I'm the um, social butterfly group, all all spelled normally, as you would imagine. Lovely. Okay. Well, I'm going to put all those links in the show notes. Thanks. We will have you back and we will talk about more amazing social media related and communicating your awesome offers uh, topics. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. A very special thank you to both Mim and Karen for sharing their time, their talent, and their awesomeness. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in and uh, checking this out. Now, if you wanted to get any of the information or links to any of the products or resources that were mentioned in the show, please go to the show notes. They're all there. And if you are new to our podcast, Full Voice Music is dedicated in creating inspired teaching resources for your young singers. If you haven't checked out our website, please do. And heads up, we've got a new website coming very, very soon. It is going to be so delightful and it's going to allow us uh, to, uh, to serve everyone, no matter where you are, on this planet. So we're so excited to get that released soon. So look out for a new full voice website. It will be fullvoicemusic.com. We're changing. Yeah, we're changing our domain. Uh, don't worry, you'll be able to find all the stuff that you uh, had before. Um, but we're so excited. Uh, my friend and colleague, uh, I know that things, uh, we've been through ups and downs over the last couple of years, but um, I am wishing you all the best, a fabulous week, inspired teaching, and happy singing. <laughs>